Welcome to the Birthful Podcast. I'm Adriana Lozada, and today we'll be talking about postpartum doulas. How does a postpartum doula help smooth your transition as a family? Is she only helpful during the first few weeks? Can having one lessen your chances of postpartum mood disorders? What if you had a cesarean or your baby is extra sensitive? How can you find one? Jackie Kelleher tells us more. Stay tuned. This episode of Birthful is brought to you by Natural Breastfeeding and their free quick start video, which shows you a simple technique to prevent nipple pain and the easiest way to help your newborn latch and for you to produce enough milk for your baby. Go watch it at naturalbreastfeeding.com. The Birthful Podcast, talking to maternity pros to inform your intuition. Hello, Mighty Mamas and Mamas-to-be. As always, thank you for listening and for all the love you give the show. It really makes me happy to read the reviews that you leave on iTunes, which also help get the show in front of more mamas because reviews and subscriptions boost our iTunes rankings. So please leave a review on iTunes or, or subscribe um, and do it. Like, for example what young aspiring professional did recently. That's what she signed the review as. So I'm going to call her young aspiring professional because I don't know her name. But she says she's currently halfway through her pregnancy, her first pregnancy, and she feels so much more informed and prepared for pregnancy and labor after fan finding the podcast. She says it's taught her lots about so many important topics that she didn't even know existed, but that it's been even more useful in helping her gain confidence and trust in herself, her body, and the natural process of labor. She also says her mother had a difficult birth experience with her, and she only heard negative experiences from others as she grew up. However, the podcast, along with other amazing resources that she's found through the podcast, have made her do a complete 180 in terms of how she views labor, and she's now actually excited for the birth process. Wow, that's so, thank you so much for that review. Like how fabulous, fabulously awesome is that, that she's done 180 on how she's viewing this and she's looking forward to her birth. That makes me so, so happy. And if you are also finding that the podcast is helping you rethink birth and you've been meaning to become a friend of the show, but then life happens and you forget, then please Hit pause right now on the podcast and go to patreon.com slash birthful this very moment. Pledges there start at $1 per month, which is only a quarter per episode and way more helpful than another stuffed animal, for example. And if you pledge $3 per month, then you get to listen to the show a day earlier, which is, as we all know, the same thing as living the future. So go do that now and I will be so extremely super grateful. All right. So on today's show, I am very excited to be speaking to Jacqueline Kelleher, Jackie Kelleher, who has been supporting growing families since 1996 as a birth and postpartum doula, childbirth educator, lactation counselor, doula trainer, mentor, and community volunteer. She served as the Director of Postpartum Services for Dona International and continues as Dona Postpartum Doula Mentor. She is the author of the book Nurturing the Family. And in addition, she is a self-defense instructor and teaches classes on boundary setting and personal safety. Jackie, welcome to the show. Thank you. I had no idea about this self-defense uh, that you were a self-defense instructor. That's It caught me off guard, I gotta say. It's incongruous, isn't it? <laughs> I think that it really surprises people. But what really, what I love the most is that how often the two intersect mm -hmm. and um, how I end up bringing things like Bruce Lee quotes into my doula trainings because there really are um, so many overlaps um, because it really is about interacting with other people and how you see yourself and how you present yourself and, you know, how you care for yourself and for others. So there really are a lot of overlaps. It's kind of strange, but yeah. I like it. That's so interesting. Yeah, no, and it's good to have a different hobby or something that, you know, that, uh, something else that you're passionate about. Um, it, mine is beekeeping. I keep bees. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> to, my husband wants to do that. 
fun. It's really fun. But back to the topic at hand. I was so excited to talk to you, or I am so excited to talk to you about postpartum doulas because you're kind of like the mother of many postpartum doulas. You created the the program, the the curriculum for postpartum doulas for Dona International. When when did that come about? Um, I think it was 2002 or 2001. So it's been a good long time. And um, yeah, that program didn't start until about 10 years after Dona was founded and um, really, you know, took a lot of work for us to get started. And it's really been a great journey. And I'm, I am something of a purist. So as we talk about the role of the doula and the like, you'll see that I um, I, I, I spent a lot of time doing the research and also one of my tasks that I was assigned by the then board of directors before I was a part of it was um, to kind of speak with all of the founders and get their take on having a postpartum program and what it should look like. And, um, and so I think I'm, I'm really um, kind of shaped by them and their priorities and their vision. And so I, I always, I'm trying to carry that forward as we move forward with the program, but yeah, it, um, I just love that I'm still a part of it. Now I feel more like a grandma doula than a mother doula, really. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been a while now. And I I love that I can I can see. So I've been a, a Dona trained doula. Or I was trained with with Dona the nine years ago and have been certified about the same or 11 years ago and certified for nine. Um, and I find that... Even as a doula, it's only in the past five, six years that we've started to make more of that distinction of, oh, no, I am a birth doula and not before it was just the word doula would carry mm-hmm. the, sort of that it was assumed it was a birth doula. And I find that now, finally, we're seeing more interest and more questions about what is a postpartum doula? Yeah, sometimes I see actually people will describe it. They'll say, you know, I'm a doula and I want to be a postpartum doula or like people kind of differentiate it that way. There's like doulas and then there are postpartum doulas. But to me, um, you know, it's, it's, it's all of a piece. And I, I love the idea of full spectrum doulas and I, and just, you know, specifically within my own work, work, you know, just through the pregnancy and, and, you know, meeting people when they're in their home and they're wearing earrings and, you know, their cat is their most treasured family member um, all the way through, you know, the labor itself, and then being able to come in afterward also, and um, and just watching them grow into, you know, who they're going to be as parents. Um, it's special. I love being a part of all of them. Yeah, it is. So let's start with the most obvious question is, what is a postpartum doula? So I, a postpartum doula is someone who comes alongside the parents and um, kind of nurtures them in their role that they are transitioning into as new parents. And uh, we do that with our, um, our heart and our non-judgmental support and like a, a, a true belief that these parents are the experts in their family and that they're going to make the choices that are right for their family. Um, so in our doula training, we have something that we call, a, our acronym that we call is, is NEAR, and it's a Nurture, Educate, Assess, and Refer. And that's what a postpartum doula should be doing all the time. You know, where every single thing we're doing, we're nurturing at all times. Even if I'm washing my hands before I touch the baby, I'm nurturing. Um, and, and I'm also educating, right? Because that's kind of how I, I don't teach people information about parenting or information about their babies by, you know, pointing to a blackboard. So much of it is um, just modeling behavior for them. And then we assess. And we're not doing any kind of clinical assessments because doulas are not clinical in any way neither birth nor postpartum doulas, but I'm assessing things like, are there towels in the bathroom? Is there soap? How does she look? Um, does she, you know, how is her demeanor? How is her partner's demeanor? How's the baby? Um, how does nursing seem to be going? Does, is the baby having wet diapers? You know, all of these things, I'm just kind of click, 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 clicking things in my head the whole time. And then referral is a really big piece of what we do. And a lot of times that's to professionals like a lactation consultant or, or to a counselor, but a lot of times it's things like a website or a video um, or a mom's group. You know, a lot of what we're referring to is just connecting that those parents 
so that they, you know, can start to build their village and move forward. Because a big part of our role is to work ourselves out of a job. So everything a postpartum doula does is should be making herself unnecessary. It's actually like a parallel role to being a parent. You know, when you become a mom, your baby needs you a lot more than they need you, say, 10 years later in terms of just, you know, everyday care. And um, it's, it's like that as a doula. Like a doula can really pat herself on the back and say, I've done a great job. If her client says to her, you know, I don't really think I need you anymore. That's our goal. Yeah. And I love that because it's such an empowering role for parents to be at where they feel like, oh, I've got this, as opposed to that panic when they first leave the hospital that we've all felt, right? Like, you're going to let me go home with this. <laughs> Quick, get get a grown up in here. We need somebody who knows what they're doing. Yeah, that's exactly. my take on it. So I think you've answered um, part of my second question, which is how does a postpartum doula differ differ from a night nurse or a nanny? Yeah, that is huge for me. And when I mentioned being a purist, um, that's really what I would be referencing. Um, any other role tends to be um, a pl- what I would call a placeholding role. So um, babies don't, you know, we don't expect a baby to sleep through the night. And, you know, of course, the definition of that varies. But let's say even five hours in a row until um, they're at least four months old. And a lot of babies, it's a lot longer than that. And so when someone comes in and they're just taking care of the baby, um, they are not nurturing the family. Um, and and there, you know, I know that sometimes people feel like there's the argument that they're nurturing the family because, you know, those parents need that sleep. But... Um, they're going to need the sleep again the next night and the next night and the next night and the next night and the next night for, I mean, I don't know, I've been parenting for 25 years. I would say arguably from now on, sleep is going to be different. And so, you know, I would say that's a major distinction is that we don't, we don't place hold. We're not there to take over for the parents, although certainly we want to, we want them to take a nap when we're there and we want them to take a shower when we're there and we want them to get a rest and get time to themselves. But, um, but it's different from completely replacing the parents. And then if I, if I can just kind of tail back to what I was talking about with speaking with the um, donor founders, um, John Kennel, who was an amazing, an amazing man. And he um, said to me, he said, promise that you're not creating any kind of separation between mothers and their babies. Because what do we know? We know that, you know, the research shows us that when you separate mothers and babies, Nothing's as good, right? Breastfeeding doesn't work as well. Bonding doesn't work as well. Sleep doesn't work as well. As much as there's, you know, everybody's saying, oh, the baby needs to go to the nursery so the mom can go to sleep. What does the evidence show us? Moms sleep better when the baby's sleeping in the same room as them. So this is an evidence-based program that I train through, and we do everything we can to keep parents together with their babies and, you know, with supported breaks whenever they're ready for them because everybody needs a break sometimes. So if a postpartum doula were doing some, because some postpartum doulas do do overnights, but in that case, would that overnight look more like trying to help the parents structure their nights? Yeah. So um, I'll I'll say here um, that I I think that sometimes there's, there's different kinds of overnights. So I have done many, many, many overnights over the years. Um, I would say principally my overnights were with parents who, um, for instance, were having breastfeeding challenges and the mom is on a pumping and supplementing schedule, you know, where she's feeding her express breast milk from a bottle. And what I tell all of my clients is, you know, like when you have a new baby, three o'clock in the afternoon and three o'clock in the morning, they look pretty similar. You know, you may be asleep, you may be eating, you may be feeding a baby, you may be changing a diaper. It's pretty much the same day and night. So um, the doula support should pretty much look the same whether she's there day or night. Um, So if I'm there, if mom, you know, I've worked with moms who are just super anxious and they just want someone there. And so for every single feed, you know, I'm there with her, um, whether she's breastfeeding or bottle feeding and, you know, making suggestions, pointing out tips, um, pointing out things that she's doing great with, um, just providing that listening ear, all of those same things should be happening day or night. There are people who um, 
the situation is more that, you know, the, the doula arrives at 10, the parents say, here's my baby. They chat for 10, 15 minutes. They go in another room, they close the door and they, she hands them the baby back at six, seven o'clock in the morning. And, and, you know, I'll, I'll go back to saying I'm a purist. I don't call that doula work. I call that placeholding. Um, I think it's fully appropriate for the people who do the work and for the people who have the means to pay for that service because it's a very small percentage of people. I would just say it's not doula work because doula work um, is inherently working yourself out of a job. And you have to come alongside people in order to do that. And if they're in another room asleep, um, I just feel like that's not possible to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That makes total sense. Um, how... Is a postpartum doula helpful for the partner? Oh, it's awesome for the partner. Be- well, first of all, I mean, a, a postpartum doula, when she, if she's really doing her job right, is very, very clear that she's there for the family. That's why the title of my book is Nurturing the Family. Um, we are there for everyone involved. So not just the partner, but, you know, older children, grandma, if she's around. And um, I would say in the exact same way that we're there for the birth mother, um, which is, you know, answer questions, nurture them, um, celebrate their successes with them, be there to kind of offer suggestions when they feel like they're not having success in some areas some where they've set goals. Um, it's really exactly the same. And I think that it's a, a top priority to really recognize that both parents are making a tremendous transition in their lives and that... Um, and that they need support and they need space and patience to to move into their roles. I know that's what I've needed with the addition of every one of my kids, right? I, You know, you, you become a different person each and every time. And to have somebody who's there to answer questions or just smile and nod and say, yeah, yeah, look, you got it. You did it. Um, it's the same for both partners. Hmm. Do you find you also have to sometimes mitigate when both parents are not kind of on the same place or where they're having some conflict does that come up often I wouldn't say often but I'd I'd say it does come up and um one of the things that you know about doulas is that you know we we are non-clinical and so um I always see the work of a postpartum doula as being kind of like a wagon wheel you know and the, I see my role, I'm kind of like in the center of this wheel, and it can go off like the spokes of a, a wagon wheel, like in any direction. And one of the directions that definitely comes up a lot in postpartum doula work is interpersonal stuff, right? Um, whether it's sort of things like this, like, uh, you know, she's maybe feeling like she can't keep going with breastfeeding, and he really wants her to, or vice versa, or you know, parenting choices, circumcision or, you know, vaccines or whatever it is, or your mother's making me crazy, get her out of here or get my mother's making me crazy, get her out of here. Um, You just get all of this stuff that's going on. And the doula has to be really careful to be supportive. And we, we are really excellent listeners um, and really excellent at kind of holding up a mirror and helping people to kind of figure out what they're upset about and then having them go back and fix it. A, a doula is really always going to be impartial and um, keep out of things. Because you're right, there, there are things that come up that are, that are awkward and hard. And, you know, we're, we're not trained therapists. And so we have to be really mindful of our role. And I think, um, I think people really appreciate it. Um, it. It goes pretty smoothly most of the time. I think that when people feel supported, you see less of those problems anyway. Mm-hmm. And I really like the the thought of holding up a mirror, because even as a as a birth doula, you know, it's a tough transitional time. It's that a lot of it's a very emotional time as well. So things can come up often, and you're there for hours and hours, you, you know, in their very intimate moments. And it it is sort of that I can I hear what you're both saying and do you hear what the other person is saying mm-hmm. um, exactly. can be so helpful, just that holding up of a mirror. Yeah. And I think that some, sometimes I wish that I had a doula in my everyday life. I mean, somebody who could do that for myself and my family members all the time, you know, just smile and nod and listen and make some basic suggestions. And then, you know, sometimes magic happens. Yeah. Yeah. I have friends who say I'm their life doulas. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, 
So in terms of the, the, the nitty gritty, when is the best time to have the help of a postpartum doula? Are they only helpful during the first weeks? Or when, yeah, when is that best time? Is there a best such, time? This is such a great question. Um, so I have this whole kind of phenomenon that I've identified over the years. Um, this is just an observation of mine that a lot of times people really want to front load their support. You know, they want, I want somebody to come in, you know, 10 hours a day for the first week. Um, and, you know, people have varying degrees of, you know, funds available to pay for having someone there. And maybe they have a certain amount and they think, oh, I'm just going to put it all, all toward having the doula there in the first week. And once you've had a baby, especially if you've had or supported families who've had multiple, you know, multiple children, um, Sometimes it's easiest the first week. It feels really hard until you get to the second and third and the fourth and fifth weeks and you're like, oh my goodness, it actually got harder. And so one thing that I talk to parents about is um, spreading their support. Um, like if, if they have like a an amount and they say, okay, this is how much we're going to use to pay a postpartum doula. I say, find a way to make that last for four or five or preferably even six weeks. And if that means she only comes twice a week, for six weeks, I'd rather see that because every day that baby wakes up, you know, when the baby wakes up the second day, it's twice as old. And um, there's so many changes that are going on all the time. One of the biggest changes I see is when the baby turns about three weeks old. Um, you know, if the partner was off from work, that person's back at work. If grandma came and visited, she's flown back to wherever she lives. If, you know, if, you know, the neighborhood has been doing a meal train, that's over. Um, and then the baby wakes up right around then, right around three weeks old, the baby goes from, I tell my clients, you know, the first few weeks you have a contract, I feed you, I wrap you up, I lay you down, you go to sleep. And, you know, with the majority of babies, it kind of works like that. And you hear a lot of people say like, oh, we've got a really good baby. And of course, I never like that use of that word, but I, mm -hmm. I understand where they're going. And then all of a sudden one day they feed the baby, they wrap the baby up, they lay him down and he cries because... He doesn't need to be asleep as much anymore. And he's starting to transition into the little, you know, person he's becoming. And it requires a different skill set for the parents. Um, and all of their support is gone at that point. I get a lot of calls from people who are looking for postpartum doulas whose babies are about three weeks old. They're having all kinds of breastfeeding problems. They're crying all the time. The parents, maybe the babies are crying all the time. And a lot of time, I, I, I think it's this... This It's just a really fragile time. And that if there's somebody there who preferably was already there, who's kind of a lot of times what we do is we call as doulas, we provide anticipatory guidance. So I've done this before a lot of times. I know what's probably coming next. That's part of my responsibility as a doula to have a sense of what may be coming next and to kind of kind of nudge the parents toward it. Right. Like, oh, she might be waking, starting to wake up soon. So maybe if you haven't already been wearing her in a carrier, maybe we better get that out and start using it so you have a, a different skill set that you can try when just laying her down isn't working for you anymore, but you still have things you want to get done. Mm -hmm. That's a great. And, and yeah, after certain weeks, also like the novelty of having a baby has worn off. Oh, yeah. And the sleep deprivation is kind of, snowballing and building so you're you forget that it's a, or you're not considering it, it's a marathon that's going to be for months uh, on a continuum where baby doesn't quite get night and day and is like you said earlier 3 p.m is the same as 3 a.m yeah well i mean they're made to nurse at night right and yeah. so they're they they're they've got it unfortunately you know the way that we live doesn't go it's not at all a good match with, with, no. with the way that our babies are, you know, biologically programmed and our bodies are biologically programmed. And so, um, yeah, I, I, so I would say that um, in an ideal world, I would su suggest about at least six weeks. And, you know, for a lot of my clients, I tell them, you know, maybe you want me to come five days that first week and then maybe three days the second week and three days the third week and two days the fourth week and two days the fifth week. Um, just, just so that it's still there. And it's a lot of, it becomes almost like more of like a consulting role. Right. And, um, we still have those other things that we're doing, like helping out with the older kids and, 
maybe, you know, putting a meal together and making sure she gets a shower and all those things. And, but also just like having somebody say, yeah, that's normal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not broken. You know, if this is, these are changes that we see and, and you, and you're okay and your baby's okay. Um, I think it just makes a tremendous difference for people. Yes. The reassurance. Jackie, we're going to take a quick break, but afterwards I'm going to ask you about if there are situations that having a postpartum doula would be more useful, like maybe after a cesarean or a colic a baby or a sensitive baby. We'll be right back. Did you know that even though most expectant moms plan to breastfeed, the majority aren't really adequately prepared to get off to a good start? That is why world-renowned breastfeeding experts Dr. Teresa Nesbitt and Nancy Moorbacher have created their fabulous Quick Start video that gives you everything you need to know to get started with natural breastfeeding. Best of all, it's free. How awesome is that? Through their Quick Start video, you'll learn a simple technique that prevents nipple pain. You'll also find about the simplest way to help a newborn latch, as well as the best way to produce enough milk for your baby. These things will set you well on your way to a blissful breastfeeding relationship. And did I mention that it's free? Go watch the Quick Start video to natural breastfeeding at naturalbreastfeeding.com. And we're back. And so I left the question hanging. Is there a better situation or a situation that is would be better served by having a postpartum doula, like maybe after a cesarean section or having a colic baby or a, and I should say cesarean birth because it is a birth um, or a more sensitive baby. So I've given this some thought and um, I just want to say yes to everything because <laughs> I really feel like um, those are all situations in which somebody should definitely have a postpartum doula. On the other hand, if she had a smooth vaginal birth and everything went great and the baby's doing super, she should still, in my mind, have doula support. And, you know, maybe that doula is her mom or her sister or her best friend. But, um, you know, everybody needs this. Everybody needs someone to be there. Um, and not just for a day and not just to drop off, you know, a lasagna, but like really, really be there. And um, I used to think like, oh, like when women have had a cesarean birth, like they you know, they definitely need to not do stairs and not walk around as much, which is still obviously very accurate. But what I've come to learn over the years is so do the women who had a vaginal birth. And not just for their recovery right then, but for their long-term recovery. Like the the work that she does in terms of healing her body in those weeks and first months after the baby's born are not just taking care of her right then. They're taking care of her at 50 and her, you know, continence and her long-term health. And so I feel like everyone needs to do less and be taken care of more. Um, and so I, that's a hard question for me to answer. One thing I will say, though, is that um, in terms of the colicky thing, um, so colic, I think, is largely like kind of like a trash can diagnosis. It means baby cries a lot, which we already knew, right? And... Um, I do think that there's a lot that the doula can offer a family who has a baby who's kind of having a harder time. Um, first of all, you just need that fresh person who gets a break, right, and is not so fried. But also, um, obviously, with the assuming that the parents have already, you know, are working with their clinical care provider and that, you know, they've assessed the baby and they're certain that there's not some kind of underlying health condition, a doula can kind of work as a detective also. I've worked with a lot of families where um, we were kind of able to get to the bottom of why this baby was crying all the time. And sometimes it's things like um, a breastfeeding challenge that hadn't been identified. And as a doula, I can refer her to a lactation consultant who can figure that out with her. Or maybe sometimes the parenting practices are not developmentally appropriate. So you have parents who are just because of the way that, you know, they're, they've been taught to parent, they are, um, you know, hardly interacting with the baby, really not touching the baby, not holding the baby, not wearing the baby, you know, the baby goes from the crib to the pack and play to the swing. And um, they say, Oh, this baby's crying all the time. Well, she's not getting her needs met. 
really, really basic stuff. Um, and so th there's a lot that the doula can do with that to help parents kind of like peel at the onion and, and find maybe answers to some of the questions and then find solutions also. Mm -hmm. And I think that all goes to get hand in hand and together because we, we have lost sort of that idea of the, the, Quarantena, the the baby moon, that forty day sort of lay, where you stay home and just let yourself recoup and discover the baby and find who this new person in your life is and bond with them and and with your partner and and as a family and like you were saying before, our lives don't match up for that anymore. Um, exactly. And so I, that's why I'm so fascinated with the existence of a postpartum doula because to have somebody who can sort of walk you through that while you have your quote-unquote modern life and and sort of exactly. yeah to lifeguard you along um instead of because you don't have the time to just sit and look at your baby for a week to try to understand the signs and the signals and the the conversation that they're having with you and then it'll be a different conversation the next week anyway. Yeah. 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 How do you see the role of a postpartum doula affecting or improving or lessening the chances of a postpartum mood disorders? So um, we've, we've looked into this quite a bit. Um, I'll, I'll just start by saying that we don't have a lot of research that we've gotten funding for specifically around postpartum doulas and depression mm -hmm. or anxiety or any of the other postpartum mood disorders. But what we do know very clearly are that there are certain things that can help. Um, and one of those is social support is one of the biggest things, right? So um, whether it's having somebody, you know, just people, a lack of isolation helps people. So just a doula's presence and or, again, a sister, a best friend, um, a neighbor, that's going to help. Um, and we also know that getting rest is going to help. And um, that helps with anybody's emotional wellness. And so kind of going back to the, well, like, oh, Jackie, but you said the doula shouldn't come and, you know, have the mom sleep all night while she's there. Well, there's all different ways that the doula can help with rest, like making sure that mom gets rest during the day, like giving her skills for getting through the night in terms of feeds and, and just kind of like keeping things running smoothly so that the parents are able to get more sleep at night. I can help to impact my client's sleep at night when I'm there during the day. Of course. And um, with the tools and, that you were mentioning before exactly. of, you know, baby wearing and, and things that will make the baby and helping detect what's going on with baby if it, quote unquote baby is colicky so that, yeah, things run smoother. I love that that analogy. Exactly. And then also things like um, we're definitely somebody who has training and we can recognize when a parent really seems to be struggling and we can talk to them about, you know, how maybe they're doing. And uh, a doula should never be telling parents, um, you know, you have depression because that's a clinical diagnosis. But I sometimes have said to clients like, you know, it seems like you're having a kind of hard time. Like, you know, when I got here yesterday, you cried. When I got here, you know, like every time I've been here, you've cried. Um, I see this behavior. I see this behavior. And it seems like you're having a hard time. And I feel like it, it maybe there's a way for it to be less hard. You know, what do you think about that? And so I can kind of have really open conversations with parents. Again, I'm an expert in kind of normal adjustment. So I know when I see something that's not normal adjustment. And I can kind of talk to parents about that. And then one of the great things about a really good doula is that she's got this amazing resource list. Um, and not just like, wow, it sounds like you have depression. You should talk to your doctor who may or may not know anything about it and isn't, you know, a clinical um care provider in terms of mental health, right, and obstetrician. Um, so I would definitely want to connect her with like, oh, this is where you live. This is somebody who accepts your insurance. This is somebody, there's a women's moods clinic um, in this town not far from you. These people work on a sliding scale. Um, also mom baby groups, support groups, you know, like tying our clients in with community. Some, there's been a lot of clients who have actually gone with them to mom baby groups 
um, just so that they could start to build that social structure. Um, that's going to, that's part of me working myself out of a job. Kind of sometimes when you start as a doula, you're, you're kind of like somebody's like new best friend. And then part of working myself out of a job is helping her to actually find that new best friend mm-hmm. and, not have it, and not have it be me. So there's a lot of ways that we can help um, as, as it relates to, you know, postpartum mood disorders and, and just general um, kind of emotional recovery and, and, and emotional transition into this new role. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. And, and it was very interesting. I'm familiar with the triggers for postpartum mood disorders. So the things you were mentioning, how you could help, the lack of isolation, the, you know, getting more sleep, like those are, yes, those are triggers. Exactly. Yeah. Um, what, so for the listeners out there who are like, oh, I'd love to have a postpartum doula or plan for this. How do I hire one? Like, what is, what are some good questions to ask when interviewing a postpartum doula? One of the first things I would say, um, more than like exact questions, are um, that first and foremost, when you talk to a doula, like follow your gut and um, you've got to be a match. You know, you're, a lot of what you're paying a doula for is her presence, whether it's a birth doula or a postpartum doula. You know, it's somebody who you're going to spend a lot of time in a small room with. And I always tell potential clients, like, you should feel better with her in the room than out of the room. And so, I think it's important that people not get super caught up on getting like, oh, this person has the most experience and she's got the best resume and everything. And inside of that mom, maybe she's thinking, you know, except her voice sounds like my Aunt Mary and I can't stand my Aunt Mary. Um, but, you know, I'm going to hire her because everybody says she's the best. I mean, a lot, of, a lot of doula support, I think, is really just being about the fit and clicking. Um, so I would definitely want her to be... Um, trained and you know hopefully certified through a certifying organization there are a lot of organizations and businesses because not everybody not every means of becoming certified as a doula is actually like a nonprofit. there are a lot of kind of businesses out there and so I would really encourage potential parents parents who are potentially going to hire a doula to really look into if somebody says oh yes I'm I'm making this up now I'm certified through happy happy doulas um, you know, look into Happy Happy Doulas. Look at their website. Find out how long have they been around. Are they for profit? Are they a nonprofit? Um, are they? What are their standards of practice? What are their code of ethics? What What's the process that people went through to become a doula? Because doulas aren't licensed by any states in the United States, and so what that means is that you really don't have to put yourself through any particular kind of training to be a doula. Any Any lay person can be a doula at any time. And yet there's all these people who hold themselves to these very, very high standards. And they're not all the same with all the different organizations. So I would want to know um, who she had trained through. I would want to know um, kind of if she felt like she had any areas of expertise or specialties. Like what is she, where does she see her strengths as a doula? Um, I would want to know what kind of experience she has. And and I personally, I would count life experience. You're like, oh, well... I'm new to work as a doula, but I was, you know, I was a hospice worker for 10 years or something like that. Well, that's huge um, because, again, it's about presence. I would find out um, what she does in terms of ongoing education and making sure that, like, she's always bettering herself, that she didn't just kind of check a box and now she's just treading water in terms of her growth. And, um, yeah, I think those are the main things. I had one other thing, but it just flew right out of my head. It'll come back. Okay. <laughs> Those are great. Um, and they they do match a lot of what same things for birth doulas. Um, because, right, it's, it, it's the clicking, it's the fitting that really has to be put forth first. I oh, agree. I, my last one. Thank yeah. you. You triggered it. Um, is, is she being mentored? Because like, I get calls from parents who are, are looking for a postpartum doula. And, you know, most often, I'm not my life doesn't allow me to take a lot of clients right now. And so I'll, I'll often give her contact information for newer doulas. And, but I'll say to that, mom, you know, here's the thing, you know, if she has a challenge and with your permission, she can reach out to me. You know, I've worked with thousands of families. So it's, you, you don't have to necessarily have the doula herself have worked with hundreds and hundreds of families. She needs to be connected with people who were right, mm-hmm. who have had that kind of experience. And um, she needs to have great resources more than being 
everything. No doula is everything. Anybody who kind of presents themselves as, oh, you know, I'll be one-stop shopping. You'll never need to go um, further than here. Um, I That's actually not someone I would hire because I, I just don't really see where that's possible or even desirable. No. Yeah, yeah, I agree completely. Uh, <laughs> because, and then there's a lot of, you, you got to get to a, like a, really confident and happy place with yourself as a doula to be, you know, to say, yeah, I don't know that. And I'm happy saying I don't know that, but let's find you the answer. Exactly. Exactly. And and that's one of the things I talk about a lot in the doula training that should feel very comfortable saying, I don't know, but I'm sure I'm going to have information for you by tomorrow. You yeah. know, and that's when you, that's when you learn and grow and stretch, right? That's, that's, that's the best kind of learning. Exactly. So in terms of cost, what can moms expect for, I know we're talking, there's postpartum doulas everywhere in the world, but roughly a range. Is there a minimum amount of hours? Is it a package? Is it, what are, what do you know about how the cost set up? So the most important thing is that I would want to make it clear that um, it totally depends geographically. Totally depends on where you live. It, and it's probably, you know, parallel to cost of living and, and the price of buying a home in any area. So a lot of times you'll read, um, you know, newspaper articles or something on doulas and they'll say, you know, a lot of times they're written in New York or L.A. And they'll say, oh, well, a postpartum doula costs $45 an hour. And somebody who's living in, you know, rural Ohio reads that and thinks $45 an hour. I could never afford that. But of course, where she lives, it's $18 an hour or something like that. And so I'd, I'd say that there's, you know, th there's a pretty wide discrepancy depending on where people live. Um, in, you know, in the kind of highest cost places, um, doulas are charging around $40, $45 an hour. In um, kind of like more medium cities, like say Philadelphia area where I am, um, more like 30 um, and then there are communities where doulas are charging $15 an hour. Um, so I think that it, it usually should be kind of parallel to where people are living. Um, and then in terms of um, like, a, do people do packages? They, you know, every, every doula is an independent business owner. And so everybody's doing things differently. And some people you can buy it in bulk. And the more hours you pay for, the less you pay per hour. Um, it really depends. Um, I, I'll just say again, I would much rather see people spread out their support. For me as a doula in terms of my life and then in terms of what I've seen my clients have the best, I think, kind of get the best out of is um, like a four-hour shift. You can do a lot. If I'm there for four hours, I'm there for two feeds. Um, I'm there for a nap for mom. I'm there for a shower for mom. I'm there to spend time with the older kids. I'm there to help things get organized. Maybe I make lunch and clean it up. And then she still has, you know, finances left to have me come the next day too. Um, and so I, I really favor the, the four-hour shift and sometimes a little longer than that. And every once in a while, sometimes a lot shorter. Um, but that becomes hard because this is where the community doula concept is so important. And, you know, we're starting to be able to move more toward that. But, you know, if I'm traveling 40 minutes to get to my client's house, so I have, you know, almost an hour and a half of travel time, I can't get paid for two hours there, mm -hmm. right? I need to, that's why I need to be there for at least four hours. I think my best doula jobs and some of my really favorite, like in my heart, are, are clients who just coincidentally ended up living five minutes away from me. And I did a lot of four-hour shifts with them, but I also, like, was able to, like, pop in for 20 minutes, you know, or an hour a couple times when people were really in crisis just because they happened to be right down the street. Um, but it, it just doesn't usually work out that way. And that's why most doulas will have a minimum number of hours because she's going to spend a lot of time away from home and, and kind of like needs to be compensated, you know, adequately to make it worth going. Makes sense. Totally makes sense. Uh, this Now, this is a completely different turnaround question. Are postpartum doulas also helpful in, say, the case of adoption? Absolutely. Um, it's a very, very different and yet 
completely similar experience, right? In that it's a complete turnaround for everyone involved, including the baby, right? And the parents may have been, you know, super prepared or, or other times I've worked with families who, you know, it just kind of all of a sudden they got this call and they weren't really anticipating having a baby there at all. Um, and another thing that I think that a doula can really help with, you know, in terms of adoption is that, you know, th- that baby will have, you know, transitioned through, you know, at least one primary caregiver, you know, at least one mother. She's got the birth mother who she knew through the pregnancy and the voice she knew and everything else. And then that, that person isn't there. And then sometimes if that baby's been in foster care, now she's bonded to another person who isn't there again. And so I've worked with families who adopted babies and, you know, we work a lot with, you know, like things like baby wearing and keeping the baby super close and a, and a lot of touch and an infant massage. You know, I, I help them to find an infant massage instructor to come in and, and work with them. And because there can even be like sort of extra work there to be done that I think the doulas are uniquely qualified for because we place such an emphasis on bonding. Mm-hmm. That makes sense, too. That makes sense. Jackie, what are some of your like favorite postpartum doula tips or things to watch out for? Or what's the favorite story? <laughs> uh, um, let's see. Favorite tips. I'll go with favorite tips. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that there's certain little tics, t- bleh, tricks of the trade that kind of indicate that we know what we're doing um, and that we've been here before. And there are certain things that I just put in front of every family, things like a nest. So um, after the baby's born, and as I mentioned, moms really need to take it easy, even if they're feeling great, because while 28-year-old her might you know, feel like she's largely healed, 58-year-old her is still inside that body, and she needs a little more time. And so we really want her to like really minimize how much she's moving around, and so and this is something that family members can do beforehand or the mom can create it for herself while she's still pregnant. Little nest with a, a basket or a bin, anything that has everything that she might need. You know, not just diapers and wipes, which is what I did when I had my first baby. But then after I changed the diaper, I would end up balling it up and putting it on the floor next to me until I got up to go to a trash can because I didn't think to bring something to throw them away in. And changes of clothes and something to put soiled linens in and water bottles and snacks for mom all in one place. So that everything she needs is in that spot. Maybe she has an upstairs and a downstairs. Maybe she has them three or four nests in her home, you know, but where once she gets somewhere, she's just there and everything she might need is there. And then that's one of the ways that her partner or any other family member can nurture her even when they're at work, because before they go to work in the morning or before they go to sleep at night, let's say, they can create a little cooler full of cubed cheese and trail mix and, you know, have half of a sandwich and all these different things so that, again, she has everything she needs. And so it's really easy that way to nurture somebody, even when you're not with them. They and can I, replenish the nest. Exactly. I like. I really like that, that idea of, and that was really one of my favorite doula stories, to be honest. I had, I learned that from, I worked with a couple who um, had twins and um, there was a lot of nursing problems and both parents were up all night and, um, dad kind of like broke down, you know, <laughs> he just really, after like a week, he, he, he was really, really struggling. So they hired myself and a couple other doulas. This is early on. This is almost 20 years ago um, to, um, to be their doulas. And the, the kind of contract that these parents came up with together was that she and the babies were going to sleep in the guest bedroom and he was going to sleep in their bedroom and he really needed a full night's sleep. But every single night when I got there, that dad um, would you know, come and visit with me and mom and the babies for a little while before he went to bed. And then he would go down to the kitchen and he would do exactly that. He would cube. I I still remember exactly what he put in there every day, but he would cube cheese and he would slice apples, all these different things. And he put them in this little cooler bag and he took it and he put it at her bedside. And every morning when he woke up, he went into her room, you know, and visited with her and the babies and everything. And then he went downstairs and wiped everything out and put everything away for the next day. And he really taught me that there are all different ways to nurture, you know, someone um, and that it's, it's going to work differently for every family. Mm-hmm. And so um, I'm, I'm still greatly indebted to him. And so things like the nest are really important. Um, things like 
Um, another thing is when the baby eats, everyone eats. And mom needs to have food that she could eat with one hand. Um, and again, if there are older children, somebody can prepare all those things ahead of time also. And if, 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 if everyone eats when the baby eats, protein levels don't drop. Everybody's mood is better. Um, it's just an easier way to get through the day um, rather than, oh, just let me get the baby down. Let me get the baby down. Let me get the baby down. You know, next thing you know, it's five hours and, you know, the two-year-old is, is shrieking and mom's crying and everybody's struggling. So, again, it's a lot of this anticipatory guidance. Those are, those are just a lot of what we do. Mm-hmm. I love those tips. I love the nest. <laughs> Yay. Do you have any, for our listeners, do you have any resources that they can look at um, online or things that you su- would suggest would be a good place for them to learn more about postpartum doulas or um, figure out how to hire one? I would suggest the organization that I train through, which is dona.org, D-O-N-A.org. And um, there's a lot of information there. There's physician papers, too, that really clearly define the role and and have a lot of the research in there as well. Um, Yeah, that's the main one, I would say. Great. And if they want to follow up with what you're doing and connect, how can they do that? Well, they can wait a few months because I am at a time, I'm at a time of transition, actually. I um, am almost finished with a rewrite of my book called Nurturing the Family, and that's going to be um, an Amazon Kindle book. I'm also um, putting together a new website and a Facebook page. So th- there's going to be a lot of kind of changes for me coming up in the next six months. My website presently is familybirthmark.com. So birthmark, like I've got like a little birthmark on my skin. So it's familybirthmark.com. And you can um, learn more about me and doula training there. Fantastic. And the beauty about this podcast is that it lives on forever. So (laughs) when listeners are, it's coming out right now, but when somebody finds it in six months, then your book will be there, rewritten. Yes, it will. (laughs) Jackie, thank you so much for, for this lovely talk today and all the information and all the things that you do. It's been a pleasure. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Mighty Mamas, I love to hear from you. So share with me your thoughts. And if there's a certain topic you'd like to know more about, let me know. Stay in touch by following Birthful on Facebook or Twitter or subscribe at birthful.com. And if you want to further support the podcast and join my adventure in figuring out how to do things differently, then go to patreon.com slash birthful and check out all of the different pledge and reward levels, including an exclusive monthly Q&A chat and much more. I'm Adriana Lozada. Please join me next week when I'll be talking to another maternity pro to inform your intuition here at the Birthful Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Hey, Mighty One. Did you know that if you started listening to one Birthful episode per day at the start of your pregnancy, your baby would be about three months old before you got through all of them? That is so much birthful. So to ease us into the summer and to help you catch up on your listening, we're going back to releasing one episode per week instead of two. Now you know.